Hi, this is Cynthia Mosser with Art Chat Northwest, and I'm here with artist, painter, Sharon Bronson. We're here to talk about her work, her show that's at the Augen Gallery this month, or September, and her influences. So welcome, Sharon. Thank you. Now, Sharon, you are from California originally. You lived here for quite a while in Portland. Tell yes. me a little bit more about that. When I finished graduate school at the University of Oregon, I moved to Portland and I was looking for a college teaching job and it was one of those times when there weren't a lot out there. And, but I found a job at a plant nursery. It used to be on Barber Boulevard and I worked there for a year and then very fortunately, um, was hired by Portland Community College and I taught painting, drawing, and design there for 27 years. At the PCC Sylvania campus? Yes. Right. And you have an MFA from San Jose State? No, I, um, I finished oh. with a BS and that was sort of a, just a general area, but my specific area of interest was painting and drawing. Then I went down to San Jose State and I got a teaching certificate for teaching in the state of California. And I taught high school for four years, found it just really inspiring, exhilarating, and totally exhausting, even as a pretty young person. So I decided that I might be better suited for college teaching. And I enrolled at the University of Oregon in painting and drawing in the MFA program. But about midway through, I changed to a master's of science in art education. Really? Yeah. Wow. It was an interesting time in my life. And I was just, that made sense right. at that moment. And then very fortunately, I was hired at... Portland Community College because at that time they were looking for MFA candidates, people with MFAs. So I was a lucky girl. And what led to your becoming a painter? I mean, that is what you do now and what you mm -hmm. always have done. What led up to that? I think the turning moment in my life was in, it was either first or second grade and the firehouse across the street from my grade school had an art contest and I won first place for a painting, which I don't have now. And uh, I don't know, I, I just remember that moment and thinking, I want to be an artist. So being patted on the back worked. Positive reinforcement. And when you moved to Portland, were you painting? I was, yes. I was, but actually my graduate work at the U of O, um, I started and you, you have to remember the moment, it was 1970 through 72, I started stuffing the canvas. So I, I painted the canvases, but they were also in relief. And um, I stuffed them areas of the canvas with polyester fiber, which didn't feel that outrageous at the time. Now, if I did it, it would feel quite a bit different. So stuffed meaning you actually stuffed the canvas yes. itself. Yes. Huh. Did you paint onto it as well? Yes. You did. <laughs> so it was a kind of 
2D, 3D. It was. Wow. Yeah. Do you, and do you have any of those no. left? No. No. Now your paintings have a lot of religious iconography, or at least you're influenced by that. Folklore, myth, and storytelling. How did that come to be? I have a feeling that it came from a real interest in, well, it started way back when I had two grandmothers who were very superstitious and um, they were both very also very religious. One was Catholic, the other was an evangelical Christian. And so I grew up in a family that sort of fed my curiosity about oh, almost another world. And there's sort of a close alignment between what my grandmothers believed and, you know, magic and myth. I had one grandmother, my Swedish grandmother, would read my fortune in tea leaves. And my paternal grandmother had enormous, like maybe four feet by three feet, statues behind beveled glass hanging on the walls of her home and the statues were of Jesus on the cross, Mary, and it was almost like walking, if you walked into her house it was almost like walking into a, a chapel and um, she felt that they were, they protected her. So there was there was a, I, both of my sets of grandparents were from Europe and my paternal grandparents were from Croatia and my maternal grandparents were from Sweden and they were as different as night and day, but they both had a very intricate belief system. Did that influence you? I mean, I, it did. not visually, but internally? Yeah, it did. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I'm still very superstitious. So, um, you know, I, I know the intelligence behind what I believe or don't believe, but that doesn't seem to, my intellectual knowledge doesn't seem to influence my response. Just the other day, I was going to have something. I, I had an appointment, and it was a big appointment. And my husband and I were driving in a black cat across the road. And I said, stop, stop. Greg had to turn around and go the long way to where we were going because I would not let him go across the cat's path. So I know it's still, still deep within me. Wow. That is. You're dedicated. <laughs> he couldn't believe it, by the way, mm. because he's <laughs> superstitious free. Right. <laughs> um, and do you think your grandmothers have uh, had an effect on the fact that you have a lot of feminine qualities within your paintings, dresses, floral aspects, horse nature? I do. You know, my grandmother lived with us and she had a little apartment that was attached to our house, the Swedish grandma. And um, she and my mother both collected china. You know, they were old enough, so this was china that was done at the turn of the century. And most of it was hand painted. And I think that the fact that I was exposed to it had time to look at it, 
I think those patterns, you know, really stayed with me. Right. That does sound very influential. I yeah. Mean, being around that. Yeah. And then working at the plant nursery, I, it was one of the, because I started working there as an adult and I didn't know anything when I started working there. I knew that there were roses. I didn't know the names of them. And then I knew philodendrons and Christmas trees. I mean, that was about it. And I, by observing what each plant, you know, how each plant grew, whether or not it had broad leaves or needles or whatever, I could watch myself learn about plants. And that was mainly a visual experience. And it was just, it was great. I just loved being able to say, you know, Nicotiana, <laughs> rather than that leaf with the, or that plant with the big leaves and the white flowers. Right. <laughs> that seems pretty opposite in, because I know that you like to go to the desert. Yes. And you talk about vastness and dry, I mean, dryness, does that, what, what do you like about that being in the desert? Well, you know, I'm probably one in three or four people in the city of Portland that does not really care for the forest. I can imagine the forest people going, what? But forests kind of scare me. And um, I see fir trees as almost black because the green is so dark. And they feel a bit claustrophobic. And by, I mean, the desert is so open and so you can see forever. And not just the California desert, the Eastern Oregon desert as well, which I just love. I love Malheur County and the Steens Mountain and the contrast between the mountain and the desert below it. And so I think those contrasts for my brain are easier to see than going into the forest and being kind of feeling like Little Red Riding Hood or Gretel and well, Hanson. Plus they have the plants you like, which are succulents. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find succulents really interesting. And I think part of that is the fact that I live here. So there's a, you know, I see them because they're so different from the broadleaf and the conifers. Now, in addition to succulents and plants that you were talking about, a lot of your pieces involve a portrait on mm -hmm. um, the human head. And I noticed most, if not all, of your paintings either include that or a dress. What is it about that that, why do you use them in your pieces? Most of the time it has to do with carrying the narrative through the painting. I'm really interested in narratives. I'm interested in storytelling. And in a portrait, I can work closely, intimately with the, the pattern in a dress and try to incorporate that, that pattern and the background sort of set up an, an ambiance for the painting. And so it's almost like the figure becomes camouflaged in the background. And are they of a specific person? Uh, is it a, have you just kind of memorized the face that you use? 
Yeah. Or faces. I have. Use male and female. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in that way, the faces are stylized to some degree, but by changing the ornamentation or the pattern or the subject matter, I feel the figure also changes. Now, this is a, also an addition to your paintings. You use gouache paint. I do. What do you like about that? Um, well, it sort of goes back to the fact that I originally was an oil painter and I worked with oils for years and taught oil painting. And when you have 25 people in a classroom, and in the old days, the classrooms were really not well ventilated, those mineral spirits uh, take their toll on your health. And I started getting headaches. And so I switched to acrylics, but I never really bonded with the acrylics. The, the colors, and this, these were early acrylics. I mean, I've been on earth long enough that I saw the invention of acrylics, but I, the color was a little too harsh and a little too plastic. And then I discovered gouache, and with the gouache, I could get the color that I was used to seeing in the oil paints. And then the gouache had this added bonus of having this almost powdery look when it dried, and I just really responded to that. A lot of people don't know what gouache is. What is gouache? Gouache is basically opaque watercolor, and it's the vehicle that used to mix the pigment is gum arabic, and it's been used for centuries, and also all over the world. And it's just a lot of people shy away from it because it remains water soluble, so uh, that has a disadvantage. You don't want to get any water on it at all as you're transporting them and so that means glass is necessary although lately I've heard of people spraying gouache but I've never really tried that and I don't know maybe that I'll. frightens me I know <laughs> me too now the and the gouache you know the color is matte and in your paintings the color isn't fully saturated, isn't fully bright, it's very muted. What, mm -hmm. Why do you do that? I think some, and I also think this might have to do with my love of the desert, is that the quiet color, it's like it doesn't demand attention. And I think that, again, going back to the storytelling, it just it works with whatever story I am telling better. Right. And it, it has, the color has changed. I, I tend to use black backgrounds, and I think that that also mutes the color somewhat. But I like that softness. Yeah, I, you know, I, and that doesn't mean, like, if I go to Los Angeles, I've noticed that I respond to color in a very different way than in Portland, Oregon. Or it may have something to do with sun and how much sun we get. Or little. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, where do you find your color combinations? Is it from the desert? Mm, from mainly, 
you know, I'm, I have to say, I'm, I'm really not aware, except that every once in a while, I will see a color combination and just go, wow, I've never thought about doing that. And, or I've never looked at that color against that color and seen what happens. So I, it's probably something that I'm constantly looking at. And in terms of your painting sizes, what feels natural to you? Well, this latest show has some of the largest work I've done. And by most people's standards, that's not <laughs> large, but in about 18 by 20. I'm, I don't think I'd feel comfortable going larger. And a lot of that has to do with using gouache. Usually pieces that you see that have been painted with gouache are much smaller. And there's good reason for that. <laughs> and I just keep trying to sort of demand that it work differently than it's really meant to work. It's an illustration medium. It is. Really? Yeah. Uh, interior designers use it because the colors are so pure and so true. Graphic designers used it for years. I don't know that they use it that much now because of the digital world. But... Yeah, it's, um, I just love it. And it comes in little tubes, just like oil paint. So Sharon, do you have a goal for yourself in regard to your career? Just to keep painting this point in my life, and that would be just a wonderful gift. So I love it. And I, I found that in the last year, it's just been a, a, it's always, I think, been a refuge for me, but I have just really appreciated the fact that I have this other world I can go to. And do you have any shows coming up? Can you tell me about the Augen Gallery show and do you have anything else coming up? The Augen Gallery show, most of the work, the, the show is called Breathing Lessons and it comes from the title of a book that was written by Ann Tyler in 1988 and I know the story that Ann Tyler wrote but the title was of the book was really what inspired me and there's something so ironic about having to have someone teach you either yourself or someone else how to breathe and um, it just felt appropriate for me at this point in my life. A lot of the paintings are inspired by my husband and I spending time in the desert. Is that is that where you feel like you can breathe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. It, it you talk about being swept away. Does the do you feel like mm -hmm. that kind of yes. transports you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The vistas are you know gigantic. Yeah, and I, you know, I know that you can go up to Mount Hood and you also have a vista, but. It's that spareness that somehow is really inspiring to me. Thank you, Sharon. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, now we've come to the part of the interview where I have rapid fire questions. Yes. Okay, 10 of them. What is your favorite color? There's kind of a range of oranges. I love oranges and there's a, a red orange I don't even know if it has a name, maybe cadmium red light. It just, as they used to say, sends me. I just love it. 
What's your favorite paint brand? Windsor Newton Designer Gouache. Favorite museum? When I think back to museums, I think the museum that first grabbed my attention was a museum in San Jose, California, where I grew up. And for whatever reason, it was a, a place that not only my school, but my church liked to go to on field trips. And it was the Rosicrucian Museum. And in the Rosicrucian Museum, you had to walk through these little tiny tunnels and uh, sort of the coup de gras of the experience was the mummy room. And I just, I thought this was like walking into, you know, I was in Egypt. It was transporting. And I loved going to that museum and looking at all the artifacts. And then I would also go to San Francisco and I had a great aunt who would take me to the de Young Museum and that was another favorite. What's your favorite place to travel? Mexico has been a destination for many years. A dry climate is what I enjoy. Favorite restaurant? Barmingo. Uh, favorite musical genre? I love soul and uh, rhythm and blues. The Detroit sound from the 70s, 60s, and 70s. Prince, James Brown. If you could meet one dead artist, who would you choose? It's a toughie, that's a toughie, but I think it would be um, Leonora Carrington. She was a painter who, she was English, half Irish, half English, and uh, she went to art school and she met Max Stearns. And then it was right at the advent of a World War, Max Ernst was uh, imprisoned, so Leonora moved to Spain, and that was just a stop on her way to Mexico, and she spent most of her life in Mexico. She died in 2011 at 94 years old. She was just a phenomenal surrealist, and uh, um, her paintings are, I just can't even believe what she painted. What do you do every day that reminds you you're an artist? Probably just the way I look and see, observe the world. And then you mentioned that's the answer to the question, um, what's the one thing an artist should do every day? Yeah, I think, I think looking is so special. And all of us look at the world in different ways. And to really acknowledge and also honor the way you see the world. You know, it's what makes us human. And if you could live anywhere else in the world, where would it be? You know, I love Portland, even though I've talked so much about the desert, but I do love Portland. And I think the other place I would like to live is probably in my imagination. I'm not sure that any place would really be as good as it is in my mind. Thank you, Sharon. You're welcome, Cynthia. I really appreciate your um, having such excellent answers <laughs> to all these questions. So let's talk a little bit more about your show at the Augen Gallery. Mm -hmm. 
Just to be clear, it is um, Wednesday, September 6th through September 30th. There's a preview uh, show on Wednesday, September 6th, and first Thursday is on Thursday, September 7th. Uh, the address is 716 Northwest Davis Street, which is in the Pearl District, Portland, Oregon, 97209. And the hours, the regular hours, are Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 5.30 p.m. And your show, again, it's called Breathing Lessons? Yes. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. It's been great talking with you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Thank you. This is Cynthia Mosser with Art Chat Northwest.